wrestling promoter throughout North America. I kick every one of their asses. North-South Connection, welcome back to the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast, episode 82. Um, the, uh, I was trying to think of what's the opposite of Eve. I can't remember. What is the opposite of, like, the day after something? Anyway, it's going to be the, the night after and the week after Bad Blood 2003, which I covered with Keith. Um, quite a mediocre pay-per-view, to be quite honest, but well-known for the song, as we discussed. But anyway, we kick off another month of spectacular TV here in the month, at the month, the year of 2003. <laughs> Very professional here. Um, you just heard him snicker. I'm a mistake. It is going to be, uh, joining me is, um, uh, you know, I had to make sure I brought in someone that I don't podcast with often, keep things fresh, you know, so I brought in Logan. How you doing, Logan? <laughs> I'm doing great. Uh, post bad blood is, I think, what you were probably trying to go yeah. for. So, um, yeah, glad to be here uh, again. So, thank you for having me. Anytime. My uh, my brain's a little fried, but I, I do enjoy this because we do do a lot of pots together. But typically, we are not. You know, it's not this intimate. I have to say, we usually have a, a whole gang with us. So. Uh, a bunch of a gaggle of other fuckheads with us as well. So <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, entire uh, entire stable of bumblefucks, mm. along with us, our bumblefuckery. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, happy to join you. Uh, any thoughts? It's been a while. Uh, my computer tells me it's been like six months since we've done. You've done the show. I don't know if that's true, but uh, it's been a while. Um, we'll talk about it because I. <laughs> So something you, you mentioned is still happening since the last time you're on somehow a feud is still going on. We'll get to it in a minute, but uh, any thoughts as you, uh, as you enter this wondrous world of uh mid 2003, uh, WWE, any thoughts on bad blood or anything as we, uh, keep rolling? Yeah, bad, bad blood. Not, not the best show in the world. Um, had a few bright spots, I would say, but just, you know, overall, not the best show, but main event, you know, Nash just isn't who he was at one point. I don't think he was ever a great in-ring guy, but I think he had some tools at some point that would have made him uh, an entertaining person to have at the top of the card. But I think those days are just past him. Um, and, you know, just since the last time, it definitely hasn't been six months, but uh, I think Skype just doesn't understand how time works for some reason. Um, right. 
but uh yeah just i i feel like you know it kind of fits what the narrative is raw's not very good during this period and smackdown is pretty good for the most part it's definitely the better show definitely the better in-ring show um but i feel like feel like so far it's kind of stuck to that uh, at, at this point so not not a bad time but not great either right and of course we're going to be going into this cycle will lead us into vengeance um, which is going to be the first SmackDown centric pay-per-view. We just covered the first raw exclusive pay-per-view. So um, it'll be interesting as we're about to go into raw. This is pretty much raw is building the SummerSlam. I mean, for their time, exactly. I mean, it's still a ways away, but that'll be their next big show. So we saw kind of how SmackDown handled it with, you know, trying to put maybe some bigger matches on TV. We'll see if raw tries to do the same. Um, a, a quick question as this is the, this only doesn't the only news that I got. Um, Logan, do you know what the uh, the uh, least, or I guess, least profitable or uh, the most money that was lost in a year in WWE was? What year was it? Yeah, what fiscal year? Fiscal year, I guess, technically. Um, did they lose the most money? I'm going to guess 2002, just because that was last year. <laughs> right. It would be right now, the year, the <laughs> fiscal year that just ended for them. It would be. Now, it's a little misleading because, like, the only reason they could stand to lose the most money is because they made a bunch of money so they could kind of dick around, which is why they lost money. So I think their biggest loss was the, uh, the times square debacle thing. So I think that's probably the biggest reason for a loss, but I, I want to say I read it was like 20 million or something, or if it's not loss, it's like, I don't know, either way it was their yeah. least successful financially, but I think in reality, it's not really, I'm guessing, you know, the 95 to 97 era was, less successful they just lost more money but they also had more money to lose so yeah and i I know that the despite how good wrestlemania was i know the buy rate wasn't very good as well so um i I feel like that had to be a part of it as well so yeah it's just generally a bit down here as i've covered like throughout the pod that's sort of the that's kind of what this area is it's sort of them coming off the boom and things dwindling but it's not like they're in any chance of going out of business because they're just so it's similar to how they are today. It's just they're almost like invincible a bit. Not quite as much as they are now in this era, but mm-hmm. they could stand to, you know, lose some money here and there because they're so stable. They're really the only big promotion around. But it's, it is interesting to see how it affects them. Um, mm-hmm. Like as we move forward, if we see it come up in the product, like how does it translate? Do they play it safer? Do they try newer things? I think we kind of know how it's going to play out, but exactly, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but other than that, there's really nothing, nothing too spicy going on. Goldberg still, there's some drama backstage. I think there was a note about how uh, Linda uh, did one of those financial calls, where the same one where they revealed these financial things, and uh, she kind of threw Goldberg under the bus a bit, uh, apparently because one of the investors or something asked, and she said, uh, "Well, you know, we brought in Goldberg, so we're trying new things, but that hasn't been successful. So just kind of shitting all <laughs> over Goldberg, poor Goldberg." Uh, Kind of gives you an idea of how things are going backstage with that as we continue mm-hmm. with uh, the debacle that's going to be Goldberg and WWE over this next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got you. <laughs> anyway, let's hop into Raw here. So we are, of course, still in Texas because we're coming from Bad Blood, which was in Houston. So we're in Dallas here. This will be the June 16th, 2003 episode of Raw. And uh, coming right off of Bad Blood, um, is going to be Mick Foley. He was the ref in our main event there as Triple H retained his title against Kevin Nash. 
he comes out to the ring mostly to pimp his new book. And, uh, surprisingly not, uh, an autobiography, uh, Logan, it is his, uh, novel Tatum Brown. You ever read Tatum Brown? I have not. I, I'm not a big reader, so no, I have not uh, read Tina Brown. I have read one of his books, and I can't remember which one it was, but uh, I think it was Hardcore Diaries. I think that was the one that I had at my house um, that I read. Um, but no, I have not read Tina Brown. I thought it was a children's book at first, so I was a little confused. Yeah, it does have a bit, but then you see the size of it, and yeah, I've looked into it before. But yeah, it's interesting. I've uh, Yeah, I've never dealt delved into his uh, fiction work i'll say <laughs> i honestly haven't read a ton of his i mean i read the first one and i think i got like halfway through the second one but i think he he gets a little preachy pretty quickly after the first book and it gets yeah. a little tired so but anyway so he's here to to pump Tatum brown and he says uh you know he just couldn't get enough he said he was going to be home after bad blood but he's going to stick around for a few more weeks he'll be at msg next week as they're this will be a big thing on both shows they're pimping next week as both raw and smackdown will be at msg uh next week but he says uh you know it was good to feel how great it was to be in the main event again and before he can get too far um into this evolution come in and cut him off and start looming over him like a pack of dogs and Orton actually takes the mic over Triple H and says that Foley is a loser. He puts over Triple H and Flair saying, you know, uh, Triple H is the greatest now. Flair is the greatest of the past. Um, he then mentions how they're looking for a fourth member, which I thought was a rough look for Batista. They just, like, <laughs> forgot about him because he's hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like, and they already have a fourth member. Uh, then Mick fires back at him, rips into him. He says he's like a 16-year-old with uh, a bunch of testosterone but nothing to do with it. Uh, calls him out for being injured all the time. Pretty much says that when he was wrestling, you know, he didn't care uh, if he was hurt or wherever he wrestled. But all Orton's pretty much done since he started his career is be on the shelf. Um, I thought Mick has a really good fire here. Like, uh, he went into good, like, not cringy Mick with this. Like, good, passionate. Like, everything he was doing was make sen- made sense. It wasn't, like, too long-winded. Um, he tells Orton when he decides to bust his ass and show heart, um, then maybe uh, he can talk to Mick. But so far, he's proved nothing. Um, Orton comes back at him and says that he doesn't have to sleep in his car like Mick did. Um, he doesn't have to mutilate his body. He shows off his um, <laughs> amazing abs, his 10-pack abs, mm-hmm. his 10-pack abs. Um, I'm pretty much saying, like, you know, from his lineage and his legacy and how great and how much of a blue chipper he is, he doesn't need to do all the stupid shit that Mick Foley did to have to prove himself because it's beyond that. And uh, I thought this is a nice little setup, too, because obviously we know where this is going to go long term. And it's cool. Like, I didn't remember them setting this up this early either, but I thought it was a cool thing that uh, a big part of this is like him showing off his body and everything and talking about how he doesn't have to mutilate his body, considering how the match is eventually going to go way down the line. I thought it was like a cool little like foreshadowing of, you know, what ends up being the most memorable spot of the match we'll see in a while. But um, anyway, he says he wishes Mick wasn't retired so he could whip his ass and, uh, uh, Mick asks him to come at him. So then he does Mick gets a little bit, but the numbers catch up and evolution jump him. And then of all people uh, <laughs> if you had this on your bingo card, but come out to save Mick, uh, you know, not, uh, you know, not RVD and Kane, not any more top tier faces. We have Maven and Al Snow <laughs> to make this thing. And even like King is like Maven and Al Snow, like. Even commentary is shocked. But, uh, what the heck are they doing here? <laughs> yeah, like Maven and Al Snow. Like, we haven't seen Maven in like eight months. But yeah. 
Anyway, besides the random appearance of Maven Al Snow, I dug this quite a lot. I thought Mick was fantastic here. And I thought Orton, he's not there yet as far as on the mic, obviously. But I thought he held his own good. I thought it was a good, he had like good material to work with. I thought it was a good rebuttal. Like he had some, at least like his rebuttal made sense. It wasn't generic like him saying, you know what? I don't have to do all that. Like, you know, basically calls him like a fat loser. And he's like, I don't have to fall in text. Like I'm a physical specimen. You know, I come from a great family. I don't need to do all that. So I thought this was very well done. And it makes you wonder, like, uh, is this going to be something we're going to see soon? But they obviously want to plant a seed between uh, Orton and Mick. So I thought this was really, really good stuff. Yeah, it made me. It almost made me wonder if they wanted to do the match that you were uh, alluding to that happens in the future. I wonder if they wanted to do it earlier, and he just like Mick couldn't get cleared or something like that. He didn't, or if it was always the plan to kind of push it and you know play the long game uh, with it. Uh, that that would be interesting to know. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think Randy more than held his uh, held his side of things. I think he seemed, you know, he seemed green. He seemed kind of new at it, but yeah, I think he also delivered some good lines and uh, seemed confident in what he was doing. Um, but yeah, Mick showed a ton of fire. Um, I thought he was really well, uh, really good at this. He showed, you know, he got in Orton's face, yelled at him, said, "You didn't go through the things that I went through." Um, and then obviously Randy was really good at coming back at him and saying, "I don't have to go through the things you went through because I'm from a famous family." and I, you know, look like I look. So um, I thought it was very, very well done, kind of like you said. And, yeah, Maven and Al Snow coming out. uh, When King insults the fact that he didn't even know that y'all were around anymore uh, as uh, an indictment that can only only end badly for you. (laughs) Yeah, probably not the best competition. Mixed charges being Maven and Al Snow for, like, the top heels in the company is – you know, not great first chances, but hell of a yeah, six, um, hell of a six man they could have built there. And by the way, right. uh, Evolution's uh, theme is not quite the uh, Lemmy version that we would eventually get, and oh. uh, it might have given me cancer aids when they came out. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's funny to hear all these because it kind of has the same, you know, it's got the same general yeah. vibe of the song. Like, I think it's the same melody. Same thing with um. The uh, the evolution song and then also uh, Batista's when Batista was here oh, he, yeah. he has it but it's not the uh, full butt rock saliva version yet yes. so yeah it is interesting it's not fully formed yet we'll, we'll get there but um, yeah I wonder if Mick just needed to get in shape probably too I'm yeah. thinking he probably like came back for Bad Blood and he was kind of into it and he told him like hey I had you know I enjoyed doing that I wouldn't mind coming back and doing a few things and then they you know started seeing what they could put together, like what ideas they had. Yeah, like maybe he said, let me get in shape and me and Randy can work a program, but we can kind of build or uh, plant that seed, kind of like you said. I mean, I think something happens next week between them, so we'll get to that mm-hmm. when, we, when we get to it. And it's a good truck. I mean, Mick is known for doing this, like taking people who are, you know, like the Rock and Triple H, who are obviously like talented and kind of, you know, kind of have more of that blue chipper look to them, but he kind of has that rep of, like making these guys look tough or that they're like legit. Like he kind of did that with triple H and the rock. So it makes sense. Like Randy's got the pedigree, but maybe make could show that he's like, you know, a badass, that sort of thing yeah. as he's known to do. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, we had the Eric Bischoff backstage. He chews <laughs> out Maya Moolah over what happened at bad blood. And in retaliation for having to uh, eat May's pie at the pay-per-view, he is going to force May to wrestle tonight, but he does not reveal who the opponent is. So presumably this is someone that's going to maim this poor old lady. So, mm-hmm. 
We set that up for later. Um, the TNA, uh, the TNA uh, lines are being crossed here as we get a Gail Kim hype package here. It's like a very 2003 looking like VR video package deal for uh, Gail Kim. But it's a first. <laughs> right, exactly. Great value matrix. Yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe Lawnmower Man. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, yeah. you're familiar with that. But uh, I feel like that's the first one they've shown, at least on these versions. I, I want to say that she was hyped before this. But uh, it hasn't been on the shows. I don't know they cut some of them out for whatever reason. But she's on the way. So Gail Kim will be coming. Yep. And then we get to our first match of the night, which is going to be the uh, uh, a six-person, a mixed tag, as we're known to get on these Raws. It's going to be the Dudleys and Ivory, you know, <laughs> random team Classic versus – right. Uh, Teddy Long's little stable he's got cooking here of Rodney Mack, Chris Nowinski, and Jazz. So uh, this match, standard raw tag. You get lots of quick tags. Uh, everyone getting in for a few seconds. Dudleys are kind of like in full control. They let Ivory hit the was up on Rodney Mack to uh, kind of pop the crowd. Nowinski ends up beating the 3D and then recycling the same finish we've seen for like a month now. Ivory steals like the... This is the third time she's uh, beaten Jazz with the same exact finish. Uh, so, like, we get it, guys. I mean, we know what you're trying to get. It just feels like at this point you don't know what else to do, and you're just killing time by doing the same thing. Um, I don't know. I went, like, a gentleman's two on this. It was a perfectly okay raw six-man tag. The biggest standout to me is that, like, Rodney Mack is quickly just becoming, like, a dude, like, He's not doing the squash anymore. Like, he seemed like a nobody in this match. He was just like another person thrown in this. Really, the Dudleys looked the most like stars out of anyone, not surprisingly. But, yeah, not a whole lot doing here, Logan. Yeah, thugging and bugging enterprises is not a... Fortunately, once you threw Nowitzki in there, you knew it was kind of going to be a, a jobber stable or uh, of some sort. Um, but they got him to go at it immediately. Um, the Dudleys throw Ivory out on Nowitzki at one point, and uh, Jr. refers to as a refers to her as a female missile. So he uh, <laughs> really does the southern twang Missile. there. Um, but I think it was a solid back and forth uh, enough between the two six-man teams. Um, but like you said, another tag team uh, victory roll-up for uh, uh, Ivory over Jazz. So maybe one one of these days she'll get a title shot. Uh, she, she's gotten all these victories, but no singles matches so far. So, um, But yeah, Gentlemen's 2 uh, is, is probably the correct way to go because I, I think it was solid, but nothing special at the same time. Yeah, nothing. Thing you want to go out of your way to see exactly. yeah who knows i don't know how many roll-up wins at a tag team match equate to a title shot hopefully three because i don't want to it's, see u- it's usually just one they usually that's usually how they go. <laughs> right. yeah. not when you're ivory yeah i guess not <laughs> right all right we had to we get a jr's cookbook commercial here uh lots of good humor and good down-home recipes logan if you want to check out okay. jr's cookbook mm-hmm. and then we head to uh <laughs> Uh, another classic uh, Oscar-worthy uh, meeting of the minds between Rob Van Dam and Kane here. Rob wants to strategize as they have the big rematch tonight to see if they can win their titles back. Um, Kane says he's not the one who screwed it up very surly since uh, in the last few weeks. Um, RVD very taken aback, and he's like, again, his uh, his acting here, you're hiding something, Kane. You've changed. So, uh he can tell something's up with Kane. 
Uh, Kane tells them he doesn't have to stick around, and they decide that if they do not win the titles back tonight, they are done. So don't think they're going to win the titles back, Logan, if I had to guess. Yep, and uh, they both fail to uh, say La Resistance's name correctly. They, they, I think, <laughs> I, I think RVD just calls it. Oh yeah, La Resistance, and then you know, uh, uh, Kane tries to throw the uh, accent on it, but he uh, he has a little too much Southern in him as well, and can't quite say it correctly. But yeah, uh, not some great acting here from these two guys. Yeah, RVD with the you've changed men, and it's not just the the mask that you're hiding behind or whatever. So, oh but, my god, yeah, whatever. Right. <laughs> not the worst acting we're gonna see on these episodes somehow though. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're hiding something, Kane. I knew it. All right, so we'll see how that tricks out. All right, we go to Maven. Uh, he's again another meeting of the minds. We have Maven talking to Mick and Al, and he reveals that tonight he this is tells you what Maven is like. They will stick Stone Cold. They will find any excuse to get Stone Cold on screen. He could be talking to literally anyone. And we hear that Maven spoke to Stone Cold and set up a match with Randy Orton. So they didn't show it. So that tells you what they think of Maven. He can't even get like a Stone Cold like backstage 10-second segment asking for a match. But um, Mick then says that he and Al have his back. And so big return of Maven here against Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll if you wanted to know why he yeah. wasn't getting pushed like Orton is, uh, just right uh-huh. there for you. Yes, we'll we'll see in the match later too. He's uh, not super impressive. All right, did we get to? Okay, speaking of not this here. Okay, so Lance Storm is facing facing off against uh, rookie Garrison Cade here. So before the match could even really get going, Stone Cold comes out. He's on the ramp. He starts just berating Lance Storm about being boring, like pretty much just saying Lance Storm is boring as fuck. He has a pillow with him. He's basically giving a running commentary as they just kind of like go through the motions doing like, you know, lockups and shit. Um, he, he just screwed up. Boring. Um, <laughs> he then goes on to have a full on nap and then pretends to have a nightmare and his nightmare is about watching a Lance Storm match. Uh, and so as he's doing all this, you, I mean, they're not even paying attention to the match, but Storm gets so upset that he gets rolled up by Garrison Kate. So I, uh, I don't know, Logan, I didn't even write this. It was obviously not really a match. It was just, um, you know, to get this whole Austin calling him boring thing, which, I mean, also was entertaining with this because it was just so over the top, like him going boring and like snoring and everything. But at the same time, like, I have no idea what they're trying to accomplish with this. Like, it's almost like heelish by Stone Cold. Like, I don't know. It's like the second time he's just randomly like started riding someone's ass. He's like a, a coach or something. It's, it's very odd. Yeah, he, he's he's burying uh, poor Storm here, um, but he's like, "Come on, do something, son. Entertain me." And he, then he yeah, he just says, "Boring" the whole time. I didn't rate it or do anything either because it's really not even a match. It's more of just like you said, Stone Cold kind of commenting over it and talking about how boring and uh, how much Lance Storm puts everybody to sleep. So, um, yeah, not not the best look for Stone Cold uh, for sure here because Lance Storm is actually probably a really good or is de- is definitely a really a good in ring guy. Uh, he might not have the most exciting style, but uh, he's definitely a good worker. So weird for sure. Yeah, I just don't get why you'd want to come out and just bury. It's not like their roster is loaded right now. Like they can use everybody oh, they can yeah. get. So I don't know why you would. And like the crowd is so into Stone Cold, they're gonna go with whatever he says. So. I don't know what you have to gain. Like, I don't see the end game 
with this, which maybe they don't really give a fuck. I was going to say, if I remember where it goes correctly, it, it, it isn't worth it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Mm-hmm. All right. We keep moving forward here. So we're going to get um, kind of a mishmash of the matches of Bad Blood. We're going to get a tag match between Christian and Jericho versus Goldberg and Booker. Uh, Booker obviously failed to win the tag team championship. Uh, sorry, not the tag team. Intercontinental championship. Uh, Jericho uh, lost to Goldberg. So uh, they jumped Booker early. So uh, Goldberg has to run down with no entrance, which again just shows them another instance of them being weird with Goldberg. Like, why would you not want Goldberg to have his entrance? Like, that's it's like half the mystique of Goldberg is him doing the Goldberg entrance. So they they book the match in a way to ensure he can't have his entrance, which is just it just feels like they're fucking with him. I don't know, but um, neither of the heels want to get in with Goldberg. So uh, yeah, it ends up with Christian. Goldberg dominates him. Christian takes over when Booker T gets in with his normal kind of cheap heel offense. They isolate Booker, and which I thought this was a pretty good like face and peril sequence for Booker. Like uh, mm-hmm. I thought he was selling pretty well. I liked his hope spots. Like I liked the uh, reversal into a roll up was I thought was pretty neat. Goldberg, of course, gets a hot tag, and I, I liked that uh, gorilla press slam he did, like in, into the power slam. It was sort of like a uh, yeah, like he like uh, dropped him from the press slam and then like power slam himself is cool. He misses the spear though. Jericho hits the line salt, but then Goldberg's right back at him and wrecks him with a spear. Christian tries to steal with the belt, but Booker T hits him with it and uh, takes the win there. So the faces get this. So a uh, really good action. I thought everyone was hitting their spots. Uh, never really slowed down too much. And I thought it was a good use of Goldberg. Like he came in at the beginning, wreck shop, let Booker T come in and sell. And then he hits the hot tag. Like, good use of good booking of Goldberg in a longer tag match, like kind of let the more technically sound guys do the bulk of the work here. So I kind of enjoyed this. I thought it was a good little tag and I went uh, three stars on it. Yeah, I went two and a half. Um, I I thought the Booker portions were very good as well. And, you know, Jericho and Christian are good workers. Um, Goldberg looked really impressive in his uh, spots that he was in. I do still, I kind of agree with you with the whole entrance thing. I feel feel like you're taking away one of the cool parts of him. I think that's one of the things that got him over because how cool his entrance was and stuff like that. And I do think... I mean, he misses the spear, so. Uh, but I think he's showing a little too much weakness at this point to, like, they're trying to make him just a regular guy, and I don't love that. I, I feel like he should be a wrecking machine until he has somebody that, like, can stand up against him or maybe, you know, we'll, we'll see where he goes. But I, 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 him showing that, that kind of weakness I don't think was probably uh, necessary at this point in his evolution mm-hmm. here. Um, but, yeah, I really enjoyed the match. Um, Booker did a lot of good work. He Played very well underneath, like you said, and uh, Jericho and Christian were uh, impressive like they always are. So two and a half. Yeah, that's a good point. Like maybe you just have Booker sell from the very beginning and let the crowd get hyped up. And then, you know, they're like waiting for the Goldberg tag. And then when he gets the hot tag, the crowd explodes and he clean. Like, again, it's like not rocket science with Goldberg. And they just, yeah, it's like it makes it hard for me to believe that they are just not act like it's like they're active. It seems absurd, but. They're not above this. Like, it just seems like they're, like, going against their best interests to make him not his best self. It's just weird. I don't know. It's mm, Very weird. Mm. Yeah. yeah. All right. We, uh, all right. Eric's furious. Like he, he said earlier, he comes out, um, all his over-exaggerated faces about all of this are just absolutely, uh, <laughs> ridiculous. 
But anyway, he says that May is going to have to face her. The mystery opponent is going to be Tess, who's obviously pissed off about how things went in bad blood for him. Um, but uh, Austin does not want to see this, so he comes out and makes Steiner the ref. But in a in a very Scott Steiner moment, he can't get down to the ring fast enough. So Tess just power <laughs> slams May Young before Steiner can like move his robotic ass down there and get into the ring to save her. And so... Um, and then we have to do like a, you know, maze getting stretchered out and everything. Uh, so, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's like more, they're really trying to push tests as I guess like this, like really over the top, like, you know, comically Scumbag. evil heel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess it accomplishes that. I was kind of hoping we're done with Steiner and Tess, but maybe not. So, you know, Eric gets his revenge. It's, they love watching these poor old ladies take bumps. It's like their favorite thing. Tess decks poor Moolah and then fucking wrecks uh, <laughs> Mae Young with that pump handle slam. He he just absolutely demolishes her. And yeah, of course, Steiner's legs are ten times the size that they should be, so he can't run down there quick enough to help her. So, um, But yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the, the whole point is to get Tess over is even more of a scumbag than a lot of people already think he is for the way he treated uh, Stacy. So just, just a way to kind of maybe keep him in your mind uh and they're kind of trying to tease uh maybe he he'll be uh part of a group that uh, may have been looking for a fourth member earlier true yeah as i should mention we have the poll the weekly poll is who's going to be the next member and i believe he is the leading uh he has the most votes which again that could be rick that's probably them just pushing their own agenda here (laughs) yeah i think i think king talks about it and says oh test is leading Yep. Even before this, so and then mm-hmm. I think they finally showed the last poll, like before the main event or something like that. So, um, but yeah, right. Um, so we then head backstage and we see Jackie Gata, who we haven't seen since her, um, yes. you know, infamously terrible performance in her debut. But she's helping somebody get all glammed up, and we see as uh, they turn around that it's Rico. So a um, a newly repackaged Rico. Uh, uh, <laughs> No longer a three-minute warning. So, did did you we'll think what Jr. thought, which was what the hell? <laughs> what? <laughs> who is that? <laughs> yeah, I was not. I kind of didn't know who to expect, and those. I was like, okay, it's just Rico. <laughs> I was hoping yeah. at least somebody knew, but it was just Rico. Mm-hmm. Yep, just Rico. <laughs> um, also, wants to speak with RVD and Kane and kind of get them. I, well, I don't know if he did it here. I could, I might be. No, oh, this is the, yeah, yeah. He chews them out. Uh, it was either after the next match or before. Same difference, though. But he just chews them out. again, like Coach Austin here. Like he's on everybody's ass. Like he yeah. tells them they got to do this for their country. Uh, like uh, he's a GM, but he's like keeps doing this whole chewing people's ass thing and trying to motivate them, I guess. Yeah. But he tells them they need a win for America, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, so here he just asked the assistant to get him, and then mm-hmm. like after these next couple of squash matches, they they come to his office, and then you kind of see Tess in the back talking to Orton and Flair uh, when he asked for RVD and Kane to uh, come to his office. So there was that. Right. 
Okay, but as you alluded to, the squash match, we're going to get, uh, again, the new and improved, in quotation marks, Rico is going to be facing Spike Dudley. So definitely read Squash City here. So Rico's new look basically amounts to a green jacket and like these high, almost like riding boots, I guess is what I would call them. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and he's got that little makeup stuff around his eyes, and that's pretty much it. It's not the finished product. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just say that. <laughs> right. Um, but probably bigger is that he has Jackie with him, and she has like this uh, very colorful outfit, mm-hmm. and uh, has like one of her ass cheeks is like basically exposed or side cheek, I should say. So, kind of has a, a piece missing of it, so you can see her side ass. But anyway, uh, so it's supposed to be kind of like a match to put over his new gimmick, but um, he definitely doesn't dominate by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and also, he doesn't seem to have any anything like new in his repertoire, like. He has this kind of new look. He's got Jackie with him, but he kind of just wrestles like Rico. Mm -hmm. And then he needs, um, you know, he needs her to win the match. So they're putting over that she's going to be a valet that can distract and that whole deal. But, uh, like, I'm guessing what they're going with this because they're already starting to sow the seeds. is like Rico and Jackie, they're already talking about, are they dating? So I'm sure this is going to be about, like, were they dating or is Rico gay? If I had to guess, I don't remember um, this whole second half of 2003 is real fuzzy for me, but I, I'm guessing that's probably where they go. But anyway, Rico wins with a kick. Um, you're pre- it, it was very Elix Skipper kick here. It did not connect super great here um, on Spike mm-hmm. as Rico landed this kind of sidekick as his finisher. But I don't know. I thought the match was kind of disjointed and too long for what it was supposed to do. Like, let Rico come in, do a few kicks or something, get over his new gimmick, but they just kind of stretched it out. Spike probably got too much offense, so I don't know. It was kind of a mess to me. Half a star. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it, this was mostly a match, just a way to get Rico's new look over and for King and uh, JR to make fun of it the whole time. That was pretty much the whole purpose of it. Um, the only sp- spot that I really called out in my notes was there was a stun gun that he hit on Spike at one point that, you know, Spike's such a small guy, so he hits the top rope and kind of snaps back. So I thought that looked kind of gross. Um, but yeah, not the worst match by any stretch, but very mad for sure. Um, yeah, half star is what I went. Um, if you listen to the uh, Who's Next pod on uh, the Place Be Nation wrestling feed, uh, there is a wrestler there named Lyra Valkyria. She is the NXT Women's Champion currently. She also does this ridiculous uh, spinning kick that Rico does. So she must have learned from him because she equally is uh, much hits it poorly on almost every basis when she hits it. So uh, must have must have taken this one from the Rico playbook because uh, we always talk about how she needs a new finisher because it's just not very impressive to see. So, um, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> the Elix Skipper school of uh, botch kicks. Exactly. Yeah, so not impressive uh, repackaging for Rico. No. All right. It, it definitely hasn't hit its... Uh, Evol- or uh, this last evolution yet? I I, I, I was going to say I, I I told you in in our chat and stuff like that. I didn't realize that it started this early because I was thinking of the time you know later on that uh, him and another guy get together um, and form a tag team. So, but I, I didn't realize it started on Raw. There you go. All right, so uh, all right, we head to our next match that we talked about earlier. It's going to be the big return of Maven. He's going to be facing Randy Orton. Uh, so kind of presented as, uh, you know, Maven at one point was seen as, you know, kind of a young stud here against 
hot new thing, Randy Orton. So they go with some chain wrestling early, uh, kind of show they're both athletes. But we get the uh, – it's real fun to watch, like, this early Orton stuff. Like, we actually get the hanging DDT here, which I was surprised to see. Like, he's already got that in the holster. So that was kind of fun to see him do that. Uh, you see uh, Orton start to develop this, like, the, like the deliberate style that he kind of would – used for most of his career because when he was the face early on before the injuries when he's kind of just first debuting it was it was very like baby face like he's doing the flying cross body and stuff you're seeing here as, as he's kind of restarted here with evolution it's his style is very deliberate like uh not boring but like super crisp like he is he does this long headlock uh and you know so kind of getting close to the randy orton that we know but anyway maven is just like so nondescript and everything he does like it's not like he's like bad necessarily it's just like completely unmemorable like Definitely he's very, very creator wrestler i was gonna say the same <laughs> yes a hundred percent like um, like if they just have somebody in there to do the moves to like show you what the move it. Like if you looked up a YouTube video, it's like, what's a drop kick? And it's just like a guy doing a drop kick. That would be, that's Maven. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, Mick lays out flair on the outside to neutralize him. Orton goes after Mick, um, which kind of distracts him. So when he gets back in, Maven hits the crossbody, the exact crossbody that Orton used as his finisher early on that gets a near fall. That was probably like Maven's spot of the match. He did get some good elevation on it. Um, Randy reverses the suplex and then hits a um, hits the not named yet RKO, which you know it's always interesting. We get these like iconic finishers when they aren't established and like the announcers aren't like they're not selling it like it's a kill shot yet. So they're like, oh, what was that? And he like wins when they're like, oh damn, look, he's just won with that. So they're pretty low key on it. So that was kind of novel to see, but uh, he wins it with the RKO. Foley chases off the heels, um, and so uh, kind of ends it, but. A good showing for Orton, right? Like, throw him in there with Maven. Give him a little bit more than just, like, a three-minute match or something. Let's him show his stuff. You know, he's got the – kind of gets things established with Mick and lets him – again, just, like, establish Orton. Like, what's his style going to be? Continue to sort of push that the RKO is going to be his finisher. So, I went two on it. So, like, not the greatest match you're ever going to see, but I thought for what it was trying to accomplish, I think it did its job. Yeah, I went two and a quarter. Uh, my first note is this is a match between two uh, future world champions, right? Right? Because, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you would think uh, at this point uh, Maven was still kind of – I don't think he's quite as much of a, a hotshot prospect as, as he might have been like a year before. But I think he was still a guy that they thought could be a future, you know, star for them. But Orton definitely seems to already kind of have that reputation. Um, he's already uh, perfected the uh, vintage rest hold chin lock that he would be uh, very famous for. Um, but like you said, a lot of his offense, he's already kind of gotten down. He's gotten a couple of the moves that he would use for years and years after this um, already in his repertoire. I, I thought it was a solid match between two guys that were obviously still young in their career, but obviously have some potential. Obviously, Orton more than Maven, because uh, it just kind of seems like Orton's a little bit more comfortable in his role and kind of seems... Like he knows who he's supposed to be uh, on screen at this point. Um, but yeah, like you said, that also seems to be building towards Orton and Foley uh, in the future. So um, that was really the crux of it all. Cause in a backstage segment earlier with Maven and Foley, Foley said he was going to bring him to the ring. Cause he knew Flair was going to be in uh, Orton's corner. So um, yes, not, a, not a bad match, but uh, Orton definitely seemed uh, way more crisp and uh, ready for uh, prime time than uh, Maven did. Yeah. Prime time, baby. But uh, <laughs> uh, 
And they could use him too. They could definitely use like a mid to upper card heel, like after Triple H. I think exactly. could definitely be useful. So, mm-hmm. yeah. all right. So uh, Tess is a fan's choice for uh, the fourth member of Revolution <laughs> again. Not Batista. We just forgot he existed. <laughs> and uh, we get. I think a they, they kind of act like you know the first like grouping of them like didn't exist and now they've brought randy back in and like batista wasn't ever in that i don't know it just seems like they kind of act like that first version like didn't happen Mm -hmm. they'd be so annoyed how many false starts they had to do with that with evolution like Mm -hmm. with them getting hurt um we get a vengeance promo just standard kind of like letting us know that vengeance is going to be our next pay-per-view and then we go to the big uh tag team title match to see if RVD and Kane can get their redemption. So they're going to be facing uh, La Resistance as uh, RVD said earlier. Um, King actually has a good line here compared. He's like, uh, he talks about the, they have a new movie called Finding Nemo and uh, the turtle reminds him of RVD which is pretty spot on. <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> uh, very true. So Kane comes in early. He kind of wipes him out. Rob goes for his dive as he normally does outside the ring. But after we go to a commercial break and not really sure what happened, but the French have taken over uh, with a, I forget, <laughs> I'm going to need like a, uh, some kind of device to remember these guys, uh, Sylvain Grenier and Rene Dupree. But one of them's in there and they have a really bad looking bow and arrow. Look at, looks absolutely like no pressure is being applied at all. Um, <laughs> We get a very long chin lock and La Resistance. Look, now I'm saying it. La Resistance are just boring as fuck. Like they do nothing interesting. Their strikes are bad. They do horrible, boring rest holds. Just completely unimpressive. Like they are like the opposite of blue chippers. Like it makes me wonder what they like what they saw in these guys that wanted to give them this big of a spot. Like if you're gonna do, I guess I don't know, but I guess because the French or something. But they're terrible. <laughs> Uh, they start the challengers start to rally. Kane holds up uh, Rene Dupree and Rob hits the kick from the top, so that's always a cool spot. But they double Kane. Rob takes over. Um, but uh, they uh, another horrible spot. Like they go for like RVD supposed to like have reversed their flapjack into like a double DDT, but like neither one of them sell it. So it's like real. Like it's supposed to be this like pivotal spot in the match, like of RVD changing the momentum. And like a big spot and the crowd's supposed to pop, but they completely whiff. So the crowd's completely confused. Just terrible. Uh, Kane snaps. And then so Kane just goes psychotic and gets a chair and starts laying into them and gets DQ'd, hits the ref. And so there goes their shot. So Kane looks like, I mean, they're trying to play off that. He's like a, you know, he mentally broke or something, but he ends up kind of just looking dumb. Um, man, the more I talk about this, I went two and a half, but I kind of want to drop it just because law resistance sucks. So, like, I'm, I'm going to go two on it. I went two and a half, but I'm dropping. They're, they're so bad. That DDT thing was just a complete botch. Just awful. Yeah. Uh, I, was say, I don't know why they rushed them to the main roster so quickly. Cause you know, Dupree's only like 19 at this point. So it's not like he's like. Uh, been in developmental for forever and is like a super old guy or anything like that. So he could have used a little bit more, uh, you know, time. He's no like, he's no Nick Wayne prodigy or anything. Oh yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, And the only way to really tell him apart is Dupree is uh, brunette and uh, Grandier is kind of uh, more blondish, but uh, I mean, you can tell their faces apart pretty easily, but um, 
if you're if they're in the ring, that's probably the only way you can tell them apart. Um, but um, like you said, Kane kind of gets an initial surge, but La Resistance pretty much dominates the at least the opening portions of the match, which probably wasn't the best for this match to be entertaining. Um, you know, Kane comes in and dominates. Uh, he gets poked in the eye. And it seemed like from that point, La Resistance just kept doing stuff to him to kind of piss him off. Because at one point, they throw RVD into him on the outside as well. And I think that's what kind of makes him uh, snap for the last time. And like you said, he grabs a chair. And he beats the absolute mess out of uh, La Resistance. He, 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 the first chair shot he hits on Dupree is just nasty. He hits it over the top rope and just kind of cracks him on the head. Uh, that that was a pretty brutal uh, up spot. But yet yeah, two is probably the highest I would go on the match too, because like you said, La Resistance just isn't very good, and Kane and RVD can only do so much. And with the DQ, it was only going to be so good. Right, and this is essentially like your main event. Like, we have this last segment that's kind of like the main event segment, but this is supposed yeah. to be, like, the main event match, and it's like, well, are Kane and RVD going to break up? They really didn't build any drama in the match. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like it built to this big finish. It was just kind of like them fiddle-fucking around, and then Kane snaps. It's like, yeah, not super well executed. But, um, exactly. all right, so the, to close this out, Kane's, like, continuing his destruction, and now comes Evolution. And Triple H says that he wants Kane to join them. So it kind of gives them like the Darth Vader speech, like um, saying that they can dominate <laughs> the, you know, the company. Austin comes out and uh, blows up Triple H's spot. And instead, um, to get Kane to reconsider, he offers Kane a title shot next week. Um, but Eric uh, given, is going to give his say. So he comes out and says that Kane can have the title shot. But if he loses, he has to unmask at Madison Square Garden. Kane accepts and then choke slams uh, Triple H. And so that's how we close the show, setting up the match for next week. So, um, which is fine. There's some intrigue with this, at least. Like, that's a pretty big step if they actually, you know, follow through with it because either Kane's going to win the championship or he loses his match. So that's kind of a big happening. And uh, I kind of like the symmetry of, you know, Austin come out and doing that and Eric kind of wielding his own power and working the other side. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a good example of using you know, the face and heel GMs in an interesting way. So I think it's a big match with a big stipulation setting up for MSG. So I kind of didn't mind that. So not a bad way to close the show. Yeah, definitely a good way to get hyped for next week. Um, and, you know, earlier in the night, that's how Steiner became the uh, the special referee, as Austin said, okay, May can face Tess, but I'm going to name a special ref. So to get him back, Bischoff here adds the stipulation of Kane uh, losing his mask if he loses. So, yeah, definitely adds a lot of intrigue. And like you said, plays that uh, co-GM role uh, really well, uh, where they're kind of against each other, but they can make those, those two different stipulations because they both – have 50-50 power. So um, I think Kane being an evolution is a, a fun Right, preposterous. Process. Yeah, like and, ridiculous. <laughs> and, and it seems like he's going to uh, join him at first because he kind of grabs Austin, but then he obviously uh, lets go of him and kills uh, uh, Triple H afterwards. So, um, yeah, big match. So I uh, want to yeah. look forward to. He would really have to let bygones be bygones, you know, with Triple H accusing him of, you know, yeah. killing a woman and having sex with her dead body and all that. But I guess he's, I guess he's, you know, he would. Something you can look past totally. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about the business, but all right. So that sets us up for next week and we, uh, we wrap up raw there. So I think 
relative to what I've gotten on the pod, I thought this was a pretty decent raw. Like I thought the pace was a lot better than we get on these. There's some happenings. I think it's good that we're moving past the Nash stuff, which is kind of dragging the show down. We got some new things happening. I mean, they at least have went through with the Kane thing. It was, I'm glad they finally just broke off RVD and Kane. Cause they obviously wanted to, um, the mixed stuff at the beginning was pretty good. I like kind of the Orton showcase on this show to kind of elevate him. So I went five out of 10. It's, you know, we didn't really get any fantastic matches or anything, but I thought they started progressing. Things felt like things were happening. Yeah. Five out of 10. One, the obviously wasn't one of the best Raws, but it wasn't as bad as I think you've been through in the past months or so. So, um, yeah, the, the Goldberg Booker, uh, Jericho Christian tag match was probably the peak of, of, of the night, uh, in ring wise. But, you know, like you said, at the end of the show, you get that big announcement for a big match next week with big stipulations. So, um, you have something to look forward to on next week's show. That's supposed to be this big thing that's in MSG. So we'll see. All right, so we'll go to SmackDown and see how they fare. So, also in Texas here, so we have the uh, June nineteenth, two thousand three episode of SmackDown live from San Antonio. Uh, we've been there, Logan. We, um, we sure have. Yeah, uh, we get a big recap of the uh, the ring collapse from last week between Big Show and uh, Brock and them getting stretchered out and all that jazz. So, we'll see that apparently that saga is going to continue for some reason. But uh, <laughs> speaking of sagas that are continuing, hey, guess who Taker's going to be facing, Logan? Uh, I'm guessing it's going to be somebody from the FBI because they were feuding last time I was here before uh, Backlash or Judgment Day, whichever one I built up to. So I'm assuming he's still facing them because why wouldn't he be? Right. So this is still going on. I guess they wanted to complete it because Nunzio is the only one he hasn't faced. So it's going to be Undertaker versus Nunzio. I'm very over this. Like, I get it. Fine. Give some Taker, give Taker something to keep him busy for a little bit. But okay, it's it's fine. Let's move past this. But uh, Nunzio doesn't stand much of a chance. His pals offer a little bit of distraction. But literally after about two minutes, he um, the highlight was obviously the finish, the last ride. He just. Nunzio being a smaller gentleman takes a quite a kind of flight on the uh, last ride here, but total squash city, hopefully the, but again, um, I don't think it is going to be as we get this post-match here, but uh, the match, I just went one star and we'll talk about the big return. Yeah. The, 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 the last ride is five stars because uh, when he, you know, he kind of pulls him up by his tights and holds him up there for a while. But while he's done, does that, he does the father, son, holy ghost thing across his chest and head. So um, <laughs> I thought that was really good. Um, at the beginning of the match, Taker kind of lunges at him, and Nunzio just dives headfirst through the <laughs> rope onto the ground. And I was like, that had to be. Uh, that had to be so dangerous for like as little payoff as possible. So <laughs> he just lunges out of the ring. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, the last ride is the, is the highlight. The match is probably one star, but that, that last ride was probably one of the best ones there was. Cause Nunzio sold, sold it when he was up there and he gets crushed on the, on the landing. So, uh, but yeah, not, 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 not much going on here. Right, so of course they want to get the uh, the last word here. So the FBI jump taker immediately after the pin, but um, the random return of the APA to come save their old pal the Undertaker. Uh, so uh, Farouk and Bradshaw come out and clean house, and uh, Bradshaw's blonde hair now. So the last we saw him on Raw, he had uh, of course the uh, 
the black hair. So he's rocking the blonde do. So random return of the APA. And I'll just say we're on the topic. This will set up a, uh, a six man for next week. So uh, I guess a big match, I guess the APA is returning is a, is a big deal, but just yeah. kind of random. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Another, another good tag team to throw in there, but yeah, I, I blonde Bradshaw and the APA always just throws me off. Cause you know, you mm-hmm. associate that with the character he'll play in the next year, but um yeah, him, him having that hair in this tag team is just weird for me. Yeah, he's got like the Scott Steiner thing where like I have this whole thing where my brain struggles to process like long, dark-haired Steiner and Big Papa Pump are the same human. And like Bradshaw is kind yeah. of the same thing. Like when he's got the blonde hair, it's hard for me to – like my brain <laughs> struggles to comprehend that him and like long, dark-haired Bradshaw from the APA is like the same guy. I don't mm. know. Well, yeah, it's because Ste- Steiner's weird because he never had facial hair. I mean, he had it towards the mm. end of their like Steiner Brothers run before he went full uh, bleach blonde and all that. But whenever he was like the Steiner Brothers in the early 90s and uh, late 80s and stuff, he always just had the long hair. He didn't have the facial hair. So it's like a whole different human, like you said. Yeah, it's like his whole head shape change or something. <laughs> but. All right, so we had the Zach Gowan. He's uh, looking for Steph backstage, but he stumbles into her office and finds Sable instead. Um, she asks if he's, uh, well, why are you so nervous, Zach? Are you afraid to be alone with a real woman? So uh, he walks into the office intrigued. So <laughs> chapter one here, Logan. We'll, we'll oh, head yeah. back to, in a minute. Mm, yep. <laughs> All right, throughout this whole show, we'll get recaps of this very long ongoing saga between Brock and Big Show. So they go all the way back to Survivor Series when Heyman turned on Brock and all that. So they just kind of recap these as the show goes on. And then we uh, we head back to the ring. We have uh, what we think is going to be a tag match with Rhino and Benoit on one side, but then Stephanie comes out and announces to us that uh, the U.S. title is going to be brought back. And what better way to do it than with a tournament and then the finals will be at the next pay-per-view at the SmackDown exclusive Vengeance. And so instead of a tag match, this is actually going to be our first match of the tournament. And it will be Rhino versus Benoit. And they get right to business. Um, so we head into this. Taz, uh, Taz is not impressed with basketball because we get like a Spurs chant for whatever. I guess oh, they yeah. just won the title recently. So they get a Spurs chant and Cole points out and Taz is just like, ah, who cares about a basketball? I'm worried about these guys in the ring. Just what does he say? Like these guys bounce around a round ball or some shit like that. <laughs> Something uh, like that. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's on one for sure. Not impressed. So they kind of, so this match, they go a good bit. This goes about 15 minutes or so. It's very mad heavy. Lots of like camera locks, uh, very technical, a lot more technical than you would expect from like a rhino match. Not really Ben Cause that's sort of, you know, Definitely part of his style, but uh, Rhino kind of takes over after that. He eats a few clotheslines, and then Rhino goes into control. He's cutting off Benoit with everything, and then we go into, like, the middle portion. It's like the longest sequence of, like, chin lock, a neck vice. Um, real weird, like, Rhino being, like, very traditionally heelish, which is odd for him. It's not really something you expect from like, like putting Benoit in a headlock and like drawing at the crowd. Does not even if Rhino's a heel, it doesn't seem like that really fits his whole character. So it just seems very out of place. Benoit finally starts to give this some life after the endless chin lock, but uh, he goes for the swan dive. That doesn't make it. 
Uh, he hits a, there's a double DDT. So they both go down again, but then finally Rhino goes for the gore and runs right into a cross face and then taps to that. So, uh, and of course, Rhino being heelish in this, they, Benoit goes for the respect, like handshake and Rhino doesn't want to do it. And he just walks off pissed. But yeah, I don't know. What'd you think of this match? It did not work for me very well. I wasn't a big fan of this. Yeah, I I thought the chain wrestling at the beginning was pretty good, but of course I, I'm kind of with Taz, the uh, fuckhead Spurs fans kind of no sold <laughs> wrestling at the beginning of the match. Um, they beat the absolute crap out of each other in the initial stages, but like you said, it it, uh, it got a bit too rest holdy in the middle parts, uh, while Rhino really tried to wear down Benoit, um, but it lasted a little too long, kind of like you were saying. Um, I think every strike that Benoit hits in this match is with absolute purpose. Uh, he actually wants to hurt Rhino uh, anytime he throws a chop or a punch or something like that. Um, there was a pretty good spine buster by Rhino at one point. Um, uh, the German followed by the diving headbutt was uh, pretty good by Benoit, but he only got two on that. Um, and then I, I felt like Rhino throughout the match kept like charging at Benoit. Um, and he hit a clothesline or something, a shoulder block or something like that throughout the match. And then Benoit finally catches on and uh, evades and locks in the crossface, kind of like you said. Um, like I said, it, it, it's kind of a sandwich match. It's good at the beginning, good at the end, but um, the middle port portion kind of brings it down. I still thought it was really good. Um, I'd probably go like two and three quarters on it. I, I think it was definitely a, a really solid match. Yeah, I think like two and a half is a fair rating. I kind of want to go two, but I feel like I'm probably, it's more like me, like if it would be two other guys, I'd probably give it a two and a half. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to dock them, but it's, it's just kind of okay, but it's long. And it should have been better for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they were going for like this technical style and to me, it just didn't land. Like, I don't think that's really Rhino's forte. And so to me, it just came off as more boring. Didn't have the intensity I would want. Like. Like, to your point, like, I thought Benoit was, but it's just, like, Rhino sitting in a chin lock, like, yelling at the crowd just seems kind of stupid. I don't know, but, yeah, it's it was an okay match. It wasn't bad by any stretch, but for how long it was, especially, like, them, like, I felt like they were like, okay, this is going to be a U.S. title match. We want to go in there, give these guys some time, and they were, like, going for this, like, technical showcase, and to me, it just didn't really land that way, yeah. like, to kick off the tournament. Which I'm assuming they're going to build, try and build as like this work rate, you know, pure wrestling thing, and wasn't the hottest start. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Right. But anyway, so I guess Benoit advances. Um, and speaking of advances, Sable is advancing on Zach Gowan. Uh, we head back to the office, and uh, she wants Zach to get comfy. Uh, she saw him uh, when she flashed during the uh, the arm wrestling contest. She saw him look at her. And uh, and she says, "How would you like to feel, Zach?" And then she uh, undoes her top and uh, starts putting his hands on her. Um, we can't see it's off camera, so we don't even know exactly where his hands are are going. But uh, he's uh, starting to uh, fondle Sable here, so <laughs> full full seduction here, Logan, of uh, young Zach Gowan. Poor poor bastard. Uh, he was not ready for this. Uh... Uh, uh, kind of segment with his acting chops because he's uh he's uh never he looks like he's never seen a naked woman before so uh, and he looks so 2003 with his like earrings and his spiky hair and mm-hmm. sleeveless shirt uh, yeah yeah 
All right, Ultimo Dragon is coming to MSG. So finally, they've been hyping this up. I'm excited. I've always been an Ultimo fan. I don't remember this run very much, but uh, always a big Ultimo Dragon fan. Yeah, I'm excited to see uh, what he looks like on on TV uh, on the next episode. One of my faves on the uh, Nintendo 64 games, Ultimo Dragon. Mm -hmm. All right. um, Another WCW uh, stalwart here is it's going to be Rey Mysterio. (laughs) Canyon uh, makes his random appearance, which he seems to do every... Which is like, because it's like one of these things where you want to be like, oh, well, maybe they're in his neck of the woods, but I can... You know, San Antonio, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously Canyon more as a Jersey guy. So yeah. I don't know. Uh, anyway, but I, uh, so I thought, you know, so this is just them throwing somebody for Ray to go in there with. And Canyon's obviously a super talented guy, but uh, I love uh, Canyon selling Ray stuff. He makes everything look great. Like the snap yeah. on everything looks really awesome. Like uh, when Ray's hitting his, you know, acrobatic maneuvers, like I thought the impact looked really good uh, on all that. I thought, uh, as he usually does, Canyon puts some cool moves in here. Like, there's a nice running backbreaker he does on Ray. That looks great, especially given Ray's size, so he can really sell it. Lots of cool moves in this one. I thought the electric chair drop was real good, real smooth. Obviously, two really good guys in ring. Um, but kind of like a, uh, a real quick match to put Ray over um, with some entertaining moves. He gets the 619 and then hits the West Coast, West Coast pop. So, really no drama to this one. Like, you kind of know Ray's going to do it. But... It's like what SmackDown does well, which is like a fun kind of filler match. Like, you don't think Ray's going to lose, but at least it was entertaining in the few minutes they got. So I went two and three quarter. Yeah, I would probably give it two and three quarters. I, no, you know what? I'm going to bump it up to a three. Uh, I thought Canyon was super who impressive better? here. Yeah, who, who better? <laughs> um, Mysterio's quickness is just unbelievable at this point. I, I, he uses it to his advantage at the beginning of the match. Gets a little cocky and... Uh, uh, Canyon slams him uh, pretty hard into the guardrail. I thought that was a good spot. Um, I think anytime I see Canyon in this era, I think he's just a huge missed opportunity. Uh, I felt like he had a lot to give, and it just never worked for whatever reason, whether, you know, wh- whatever reason it was. I, I, I remember watching the uh, Dark Side of the Ring on him, but I can't really remember what his big thing was at this point. But uh, I think he could be a big, really great trainer nowadays, I, obviously, if he was still alive. Um, but him and Ray really worked well together. Like you said, Canyon's just so creative with his spots. Um, and Mysterio is one of those guys that can help him uh, execute some of those creative spots flawlessly. Uh, he has a ton of creative move that he comes up with. So I think he was a real innovator of the offensive style, um, throughout this era and kind of leading to what some guys do nowadays, but, uh, he was kind of way ahead of his time. So, I think he's a big missed opportunity just in the general landscape of wrestling and in general, I think WCW Mm -hmm. could have done more with him as well. So um, he's one of those that I wish could have, could have done more, but um, I thought this match was really well done and these guys really click with each other. Yeah. He reminds me of one of these guys, like if it would be modern day and he was like a release from a big company could just have a ridiculous run on the Indies. Like, yeah, you know, it could be like this indie star, um, with you know like you said how creative he was with everything mm-hmm. but unfortunately it kind of wasn't that was just starting to get cranked up at this point and obviously he had his he had stuff going on but yeah, yeah i agree but um i'm glad that we get to see him here in 2003 every now and then when they randomly bring him in mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun at least he wasn't boy george this time <laughs> <laughs> right he was just getting humiliated right yeah, yeah. 
All right, we get more Big Show and Lesnar history kind of running through their feud, and then we head to the uh, the former former Team Angle here. So they're they're newly broken up. So now they are really no longer Team Angle. They have this new like fanfare kind of horn music because they can't use Angle's music anymore, and they no longer have so R.I.P. Logan the uh, amazing Team Angle tracksuits. No more. They are now going to be. They are in the maroon and silver, which is explained to us on commentary that it's a mix of their respective college colors. Um, I forget which one. I think the maroon is Seton Hall, and then I forget what the silver was. No, the maroon is uh, Minnesota and Seton Hall. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, but it can't beat the nothing can beat the team angle. The tracks. Oh, definitely not. Like mm-hmm. one of a kind. Yeah. All right, they tell us that they won't apologize to Kurt, uh, and then Haas challenges them to a match next week at MSG. Kurt uh, quickly comes out and uh, goes after them, says that uh, next week is for wimps. Uh, (laughs) They're saying next week because they have no balls, and he wants to go now. And they go right into the match. So instead of waiting for next week, it's going to be Kurt Angle versus Charlie Haas here in a singles match. Of course, Shelton is on the outside. Um so big match. This is uh, Kurt's first official match since his return uh, a few weeks ago. Um, I thought they did a good job throughout this whole match of like building this whole master versus a student thing. I thought that came across really well throughout the match. Like a lot of this is uh, Kurt constantly getting the upper hand on him. Like Haas is like getting stuff in, but Kurt just keeps getting the best of him. Like um, like he puts a, puts Kurt in a headlock and then Kurt breaks out of it and then catapults him out the ring. Stuff like that I thought was really good. And the crowd's like so into Kurt, so it lands really well. Uh, Shelton, though, uh, when Angle's on the outside, he throws him into the steps, which leads him to get ejected. So Haas is all alone now. But it does cause enough of a uh, injury to Kurt that Haas starts working over the shoulder. Um, so I thought he was really good in the shoulder work. Obviously he's got a lot of good holds and stuff that he can work. So I thought his, uh, limb work was pretty solid here. Really good back and forth with, uh, Kurt coming back at him, hitting the leg sweep, but, and just like angle always does, like everything he does just has such impact. Like it's the most impactful Russian leg sweep you're ever going to see. Like he just slams the shit out of him. Um, and even I, I liked how he did the, uh, angle does like, it's almost like the Shawn Michaels, uh, flying forearm, but like the Kurt version where he just sticks him right in the face with it. Just, yeah. um, really awesome. Uh, good stuff. But, uh, Haas avoids the ankle lock, but, uh, even though he's able to get out of that, he runs right into an angle slam and, uh, the master takes the student down, uh, Shelton immediately pounces and then. Um, of course, like Angle's new BFF Brock comes in to make the save, but <laughs> really good, like athletic style that you expect from these two guys. Um, good return for Kurt. He looked excellent. And um, I thought Haas looked like um, he didn't lose anything by losing this because one, he's mainly seen as a tag wrestler and also he's facing his mentor. So it's not like a huge, you know, unexpected loss for him. So, uh, and then it kind of continues the little breakup angle they have going on. So uh, I went through the quarter. I thought this was great. And, Angle was fantastic as always. Yeah, I went three and a quarter as well. Uh, like you said, this was this, this is a surprising uh, that this is the first match for him since Mania. Just that they went with him and Haas, uh, and and that um, you know he kind of Haas kind of slaps him early, uh, and that obviously pisses Kurt off, and uh, he really starts hammering him uh, at the beginning. Um, you know, like you said, Benjamin throws Angle under the steps, gets thrown out. Um, 
but you know, kind of affects him there. You know, Haas could have been overwhelmed by the uh, spotlight here, uh, having this big match with Kurt, but he definitely hangs with uh, Angle the whole way. I don't think he ever looked like he was being overshadowed. I mean, Angle, obviously, like you said, uh, was the mentor in uh, Haas, Haas and Benjamin being the mentees in that situation. Um, so, you know, Angle always had the advantage over him because he's just the better wrestler in general, and he's obviously the better performer uh, out of the three at this point as well. Um, but I thought it was a really solid match. Um, uh, honestly, a little better than I thought it would be. Um, but I, like I said, Haas definitely hung with him, uh, and I was really impressed by him in this match. Yeah, he did a good job of, like, matching the Angle intensity. Like, uh, everything having a good impact. So yeah, very entertaining stuff. All right. So, uh, every time, every time we say Kurt now, I can think of the Brock, uh, Kurt, Kurt gets into the steps. Kurt hits the Russian legs. All right. All right. Back to Zach Gowan getting, uh, mounted by Sable. Um, and this is where it really gets awkward where he has to start like, uh, do you want me? Zach He's like, I want you. Um, so he thinks he's about to get it, but then she suddenly starts backing off and it's like, like, uh, comes at him. Like, are you kidding me? You're a freak. She even says you're just an amputee, which is ridiculous. <laughs> you're not even a yeah. real man. <laughs> you're not a real man. You're just an amputee. Vince pops in, um, is furious, calls him a freak. And then, so Zach Gowan cowers away. Um, after he leaves, we find out that it was all a, um, a big setup. They start laughing at him, and uh, yeah, that this is all just to humiliate him. And they're just, just keep pushing that Vince is like they've kind of pivoted away from the Mister America stuff, and now this is a feud between Vince McMahon and Zach Gowan. Good lord, what a ridiculous world we live in, where this was a thing. <laughs> it's tormenting, tormenting, and this is only going to get weirder. Mm-hmm. Only going to get weirder. Yep. Sure is. <laughs> All right. All right. So we get Billy Gunn, uh, who's returned. And basically, Billy Gunn is just the latest excuse, our latest weekly excuse to get Tory out for, for everyone to see. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be facing Jamie Noble. He's got Tory with him. Of course, he has Nydia. And that's, you know, that's pretty much what the match is. I mean, it's a decent match. Noble tries to work the leg because Billy is obviously a lot bigger than him. So they kind of go with that tried and true um, sort of structure. Billy powers up after Noble hits a few, but of course it's Noble, so he gets some cool stuff. Like he does the kind of like the Eddie top rope drop kick kind of thing, gets all that in. And uh, uh, Billy powers up and slams him. Noble gets insane height on the slam. Uh, he goes for the famous sir. Nitty stops it. Tori jumps her and neutralizes her. Noble splashes to the outside and eats complete shit. So you said earlier, Logan, like the Nunzio, this is like Noble's version, like just it flat on his face to the outside not probably not worth it for him but i appreciate the dedication um and after that he takes the the famous or and loses so i went two on it um just if nothing else for the good bumps by noble i mean he's such a pro just puts us all into it even if it's just pretty much a squash match yeah noble looked really good here like you said work the leg super smart as the smaller guy to kind of break down the or bring down the big tree like uh jr used to say uh when uh, uh you know taking the tree trunks away from the the big guy um but that tilt to roll slam uh gun hit was really awesome i thought that was great he got a ton of height like you said and just slammed the shit out of him 
Um, I, I thought it was stupid that Gunn went out and wasted time trying to break up the girl fight. Just like keep fighting the guy <laughs> in the ring. Like they're they're not affecting you. You know, she grabbed your foot, but like let Tori take care of her. Don't don't worry about them fighting. Um, obviously he's able to move out of the way of the dive. Uh, that you know would would have would have taken him out on the outside, but you know. And like you said, Gunn hits the famous when they get back in the ring. Um, but yeah, two stars. Noble looked really good, and some of the moves uh, Gunn hit were pretty good. So, not bad. All right. We carry on, and now we're going to get a random match. Well, not random. This has a build to it. Uh, Sean O'Hare versus Eddie Guerrero. Um, Eddie and Tajiri right up in the loudest, like, green. I couldn't even tell what the graphics were. Like, this, like, SUV. I couldn't tell what brand it was. It was extremely bright. Um, kind of reminded me of the Gravedigger Monster Truck, whatever graphic they had on there. <laughs> Same kind of color scheme. But uh, anyway, this is stems from last week's Piper's Pit, where Piper tried to humiliate him with the uh, the international version. Um Whenever Sean O'Hare and Piper come out, Piper lays all over the ride to kind of taunt Eddie, like all over the hood. And he's got a bottle of tequila with him. Um, but continue the trend where it's just Sean O'Hare's like kind of second banana where the spotlight's all on Piper, really. Uh, but uh, it's a very quick match. And most of the match was uh, Sean O'Hare putting Eddie in like this waist lock for like a minute straight. So. Um, that wasn't super entertaining. Eddie fires up though. He goes after the knee briefly. Uh, he goes for the frog splash, but Piper derails it to, uh, to uh, ends up eating the tequila mist on the outside, which I actually did think was kind of fun. Um, and that whole fracas leads to uh, Eddie being distracted and allows O'Hare to hit the, uh, the fireman's carry slam thing he does, which I think now they're calling the prophecy. I think it's the name of it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I didn't like this at all. I didn't think it did anybody any favors. I want to star on it. Like, it was, like, too quick for O'Hare. Like, to me, the goal of this match would be, like, let Sean O'Hare go in there and prove, like, he can hang with Eddie for, like, 10 minutes or something, um, which in a three-minute match he's not going to be able to do. Like, to me, this is kind of Eddie lowering himself because Eddie's been awesome and on a hot streak, and this is kind of a downgrade. And it's really just all about Piper and his antics. So I just don't really know who gets much of anything out of it. Like I didn't leave this thing like, Oh wow. Sean O'Hare beat Eddie. Like it just, like he was just like an afterthought. Yeah. You know, even from the initial jump of the match, you could tell that Guerrero kind of wanted to fight Piper. It wasn't really about getting back at O'Hare. It was more like getting after Piper for kind of laying on his, uh, low rider and, you know, having the Jose Cuervo and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, all the stuff that had happened the previous week. So, uh, like you said, O'Hare seems like super, uh, second banana here. Um, I do like his finisher. I, I like the look of it. I think it's a kind of a cool uh, move. Um, but that, like you said, this one doesn't get a ton of time. But uh, you know, I thought it was okay at, at best. One star is probably right because um, it, it was mostly just for outside stuff, all the outside stuff going on. So um, not much of a showcase for either guy. I do think it is a big win just beating Guerrero for O'Hare, but it, it doesn't really. You know, it, it, if it led to something, it would be impressive, but um, I, I don't think it goes much anywhere. Yeah, I just don't get what the. It's not like the show is loaded or anything. This episode, like, let him have a, like a showcase match with Eddie. Like, obviously, if he could have a, I mean, he's a talented guy, and you know, it's hard yeah. to have a bad match with Eddie. Just give him a few minutes to kind of showcase himself. But yeah, mm. it's just about Piper's bullshit. So. 
All right. Oh, my God. Here we go. All right. So we go backstage again to uh, Vince and Sable. Um, it looks like they're about to fuck on the table here, presumably bang. <laughs> and then uh, and Vince makes a drink. He says, I've got wood. Oh, wait, it's my leg to make fun of Zach Gowan. But before they can uh, go fully into this, uh, Stephanie comes in and cuts him off. She's very upset and angry. She says he, uh, Vince used and manipulated her. And then she says this whole thing. He's like, you don't know. Wait, hold on. I'm trying to articulate this. She says, I know when we were at the dinner table with your business associates when I was uh, 17 and you wanted me to do things and I did those things so I wouldn't disappoint you. So basically saying that Vince had Stephanie having sex underage with people to make business deals she's crying uh and then she goes into this whole thing about i'm not gonna let you do this to zach gowan because zach gowan is the only thing good that's happened or something and that zach gowan is gonna save her soul and if you don't like this you can fire me dad and like the uh this was so bad like i'm not even like a stephanie hater throughout these but this was just real this it reminded me of like the uh her acting here reminds me of like the Saved by the Bell when she takes a caffeine or whatever. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. it's like I'm so excited. Like she was like, so, like the crying and screaming felt so forced and like this whole ridiculous like weird D level soap opera shit about like Kim Vince making her have sex with the businessman at age seventeen. It's just oh my god, this is all just so stupid. Yeah, very, very, very uncomfortable. Um, yeah, just, just not good. No, nobody gains anything from this. Um, you know, Stephanie shows some fire, but just the the subject matter with which they're talking about is just, just awful and just not good at all. Doesn't make anybody look good. And Dad, the only way I could redeem all this is with Zach Gowan. He's the one pure thing in the world. It's so <laughs> weird. Like he's the one good thing I've ever done. Yeah, it's so strange. Like, you just want to fire me, Dad? Like, good God. And, and then not to mention the whole, like, you know, Vince sleeping with an employee thing is, uh, you know, with Sable as a whole other, you know, can of worms, you know, looking at it with modern eyes. But, yeah, just a real cringy segment. Just real bad, terrible shit. Yeah. All right. And with that, a uh, quick episode, we're already at our main event. And hey, surprise, surprise, it's going to be Brock versus Big Show for the 400th time. Uh, <laughs> which, you know, they at least had the thing last week with the ring. So I, I guess as we get into this, I just don't get the point of this match, really. Like, besides that, we need a main event and we need something for Brock to do. But I think this like, is a, 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 a <laughs> subtitle called, I think it's called the Unfinished Business Match. So obviously they didn't finish what they were doing last week. So this is the unfinished business match. Yeah, I know. This shit seems pretty finished to me, but um, <laughs> like we had a stretcher match already. Like we had a stretcher match and then a match after the stretcher match. Like, yeah. what, what, <laughs> like to me, it's just it's a blow off match. But anyway, this it's kind of like, this is run on fumes. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like the thing that happened last week, the crowd popped for the ring. It was really nothing to do with the actual feud. So, the match itself, lots of clubbing by Big Show, like Brock's fighting from behind, Big Show with lots of headbutts. Um, I thought Big Show's gut was very, uh, very bulbous here. It was uh, very <laughs> bowling ball-esque throughout all this. Um, they say it's because of the ongoing rib injury, Big Show locks in abs, stretch. A lot of, both these episodes just had some really egregious, like terrible long rest holds in these matches. Like, 
chin locks and long ab stretches for no reason. Um, so Big Show decides he's going to try and repeat the superplex spot from last week, but Brock is able to shove him off the top rope. Um, in the most impressive spot of the match, he hits the release German on Big Show, who uh, gets a little bit of height. I'm not going to say it certainly was no uh, Jamie Noble uh, flying through the air on this one, Big Show, but um, but and then at that moment, Haas and Benjamin run in for the cheap DQ before Brock can get the F5. Angle returning the favor to his his bud comes in for the save. Um, the numbers catch up to them though between um, you know Team Angle and uh, Big Show. So then out comes Mister America to make the save, which I didn't even know he was still around at this point. But um, he comes in, gets a shit in, hits you know a few Hogan moves, but then he gets choke slammed, and then Big Show stands tall and kind of <laughs> starts spitting all over and screaming to end the show and doing his choke slam motion, but. Yeah, I mean, it was all right. I went two on it. It's just nothing new or interesting. Like, it's like basically the match from last week without the spectacular spot, which is, you know, just kind of like a mediocre match. We've seen every variation of this. It just seems like we need to move past this. But maybe they're setting up a six-man for next week. I don't know. But, um, yeah, that kind of wraps us up. So what would you think of this final match, Logan? Um, yeah, they wasn't anything too great. Like, like you said, it's just, it's just another redux of a match you've probably seen, uh, you know, 10 times at this point throughout this podcast. Um, but you know, they, they kind of immediately go after it on the outside, kind of start brawling around. I like, I liked that part at least. Um, there was a whip into the barricade. I thought was particularly gross that uh, big show hit on, uh, Brock, um, you know, just the way and the ease with which uh, Brock can lift Big Show is always impressive. Just, you know, anytime you see it, it's just amazing that he can lift such a big guy as easily as he can. Um, and, you know, Brock was going to – we're going to finish him off, and then Haas and Benjamin come out, like you said. Um, yeah, the uh, Mr. America helping Angle and Brock uh, at the end of this was uh, certainly a surprise. Like I, like you said, I didn't even know he was really still around, but – I think it shows some. I think it shows some good stuff that you know. Show and Hudson Benjamin kind of end up standing tall uh, as the heels uh, in this situation because you would think they would just get cleared out by these three faces. So the fact that they put them over and had them standing at the end was uh, a solid move. Um, but yeah, two stars on the match just because it wasn't much else than what they've done before. That's a good point. That is a good kind of showcase for them. It kind of elevates them on the same level as these guys. So. That's a good point with this. Mm-hmm. I make um, one of those every once in a while. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I didn't think about it that way. I, I think it's more because it's like my perception. Like, I think so highly of those guys. Like, I didn't realize, you know, this is sort of them being put in with the main eventers, which is kind of cool for them. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're like the uh, the bizarro La Resistance. Like, they were put in this huge spot, and they've just delivered constantly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like they've lived up to it, like yeah, <laughs> like over exceeded expectations, like times a million. Yeah, and the, they're actually not hard garbage in the ring. <laughs> right? Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Um, but that wraps up this episode. I didn't think this was a particularly great episode of SmackDown. We just kind of like, it's like I feel like there's kind of things happening, but we're just retreading Big Show and and Lesnar. Like I didn't see a, a ton of like them setting the table for vengeance. Like if you're asking me where vengeance is going, I'm not really sure. Like we got all this Vince bullshit with Zach Gowan. Like we're still, I'm hoping we don't get Brock and show again. Please God. <laughs> no, not. I mean, it's a fine feud, but 
you know, I don't need this again. And then like a lot of people were just in there, like filling time, like Eddie and, and Sean O'Hare and that kind of stuff. So to me, there's just not a whole lot going on in this one. So I went below average four out of 10. Uh, I would probably go same as raw. Um, I, I kind of agree with you in some of those spots. Uh, I think the in-ring was definitely better on SmackDown. I think there were a couple, sure. of, more, mm-hmm. a couple of better matches maybe Raw had to offer. Um, but you didn't have that big pull like you had on Raw uh, with uh, that, that main event uh, announcement. You know, so that, that was a big thing in Raw's favor. Um, that they have, you have, they have you excited for something that may happen on the next episode. So, um, I, 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 uh, I definitely think they were kind of even, uh, if you think about the whole package of all of them. Yeah, it's a good point. Definitely. I think, yeah, raw had maybe some more intriguing storyline stuff and then, yeah, the matches are definitely got the curb match. The Ray match was fine. Um, mm-hmm. so you got that. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense. They were close. Yeah. Uh, best match, if we go to our awards, I am going to go with uh, Kurt and Haas. Yeah, Kurt and Charlie. Kurt. Kurt and Charlie. <laughs> uh, best moment, I'm going to go with the Foley-Orton exchange, uh, the open raw. I, I'm going to go with the uh, accepting of the challenge with, with Kane, Chokeslam, and Triple H, because that was really that was an exciting way to end it, and he does the fire at the end, so got the crowd real hyped, so I'll go with that. Gotcha. Uh, best show. I'm going to give it to, uh, we may have a split decision here, but I'm going to lean raw. It, it was close, like you said, but I'm going to go raw. Just seemed to have a bit more juice to it than SmackDown. Yeah. I, I actually think I'm going to go raw. I feel like anytime it's like tied or close, you got to have to go with raw. Cause I feel like SmackDown's probably won the majority of these. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I'll actually go with raw as well. Cause I think it, it has you, like I said, it has you a little bit more excited for next week. Cause it already has a big match, uh, with some big stipulations on the line. Gotcha. Um, LVP, uh, La resistance for being in such a big spot. They suck ass. Yeah, yeah, that that seems like a pretty big layup for sure. Uh, the you know they were given the main event and they uh, crept it up like they usually do. So there you go. And uh, my MVP, I I thought about Foley because I thought he was great, or maybe Orton, but uh, I think I'm gonna have to go with good old Kurt in his look in his comeback match. Yeah, I kind of want to give it to uh, Canyon just because I'm probably never gonna be able to do that again. But uh, I'll go with Kurt as well because he's definitely. Uh, Best performer in the best match, so I'll go with him. King and his MVP would be such a, like, 2003 WWE. <laughs> you know, like, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, wait, did y'all watch Velocity or? Uh, <laughs> or Heck, the or, results uh, you sent me earlier uh, for the dark matches and uh, Velocity taping, I might have to go back and check it out. Seems like a couple solid matches. What was, okay, now i got to look back. What was the one I sent you that was, like, goodness gracious? <laughs> what was it? Uh, hold on. Oh, Alto, because the TNA connection we had Ultimo Dragon versus Michael Shane. Mm-hmm. Yep. Dark match. And then a four way between uh, Matt Hardy, Ray Mysterio, Ultimo Dragon, Jamie Noble, which sounds like, uh, man, sounds like Banger City there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you have, you know, the Bashams are on there too somewhere. So, yeah, just, just a ridiculous uh, new guys and stuff. Gail Kim versus Dawn Marie. Mm hmm. Orlando Jordan's in there against A-Train. Crazy. Amazing. Um, any other standouts that you had? We can go top five or just whoever we thought stood out. I thought... Um, 
Haas would definitely be one for me. He, he oh yeah, me in that. Mm. And I'd go Canyon for this just because you know you never be able to give him a, a award like this. But I thought he really uh, did well in that, and you could give it to Ray as well. I think he was a good part of that match mm-hmm. as well. Orton too, like I said, Orton, yeah, Orton was close yeah. for me. For you know, it's a big showing for him, like his kind of first real featured spot and like a big promo and like you know, kind of showcasing him in a match. I thought was pretty good. Um, I, try to, I mean, I guess Kane. I guess for what they're asking him to do, he's delivering in that um mm-hmm. not many people on smackdown definitely not uh <laughs> not stephanie or uh zach gowan uh oh yes nuncio for sacrificing his physical well-being <laughs> multiple times <laughs> sounds about right but uh Anyway, that wraps us up for uh, another wondrous week in uh, 2003 WWE TV. Logan, we do, besides doing this, uh, we do countless podcasts. Mainly, I just do podcasts with you. That's kind of my thing. <laughs> yeah, we, we are on quite a few shows together. So um, anywhere you can find me, you could probably find Jake. But um, yeah, Highway to the Impact Zone, we've got that one. Me and you are on every episode. We have... Uh, our gaggle of misfits that we were talking about earlier on there with us on uh, on some episodes we have Matt on some episodes we have Ben and Lewis uh, Sean pops in uh, here and there he has a uh, quote unquote pay per view on the contract he says so legends may, contract yeah I was like, he may show up on no surrender he may not we'll see uh, when that comes around uh, but that that should be coming out in the next month or so so um, but oh. Uh, the YouTube roulette we're also on with Matt and Schiff. Uh, Sean also sometimes shows up on that one. Um, <laughs> noticing a trend here. Yeah, I was like, noticing a trend here. <laughs> um, and then linking up Luchas here on North South Connection. We uh, talk about Lucha Underground, and um, you and Jenny are a team, and then Schiff and Sean are a team. Uh, so, uh, a show that Sean consistently actually does hit all the spots in so exactly. I was, he did miss the last episode but he's going to be solo with me uh, on the next couple I think because Schiff's going to have Schiff's has a surgery coming up so he has to kind of get ready for that and uh, recover from that whenever it's all said and done so um, best of luck to Schiff there um, but uh, yeah I'll have Sean all to myself uh, we'll, we'll talk about some uh, Lucha Underground uh, in the next couple episodes very cool um, but yeah, like I said, Logan pretty much cover everything because <laughs> this is that's pretty much what I do. I, I need Logan to be able to do podcasts. So, yeah. um, other than that, check out everything on North South Connection, Place to Be Nation, uh, wrestling, um, video content, audio content, all the content you want. Check it out. Um, it's an X Men podcast. You can check that out. Great stuff. Great stuff. So. Um, anyway, we'll be back in a couple weeks and, uh, next week's a big one. This is one I remember pretty vividly from, uh, watching it at the time. So, um, it'll be exciting cause it's, a, it's a big happening and a kind of a pretty pivotal one, um, for one wrestler in particular, but we'll get to it in two weeks. So we'll see you then on the Roots of the Aggressive Podcast.
an answer Just to hear the call of an iceberg 